Welcome to Wisdom of Women, the podcast to bring you insights of successful women leaders. I'm your host, Sherry Hilton. And whether you're a working professional looking to level up, an aspiring entrepreneur, or simply curious about the stories of women who are making a difference, this podcast is for you. Our guests come from diverse backgrounds and industries, but they all share one thing in common. They've overcome challenges and achieved success through hard work, determination, and a willingness to take risks. They will tell their personal journeys, the lessons they've learned along the way, and the wisdom they've gained. Join me each week as we dive into the experiences and perspectives of extraordinary women and discover the inspiration and motivation you need to achieve your own goals. So without further ado, let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Wisdom of Women. Sherry and I'm back, and we are still working on and celebrating Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And I say celebrating because I've heard from so many women about the episodes that have already aired and how it's helped them open their eyes to different diagnostic treatments, understanding breast density different types of screenings that might be needed for dense breasts, uh, genetic components, and that genetics is just a small piece of breast cancer, and that one in eight women will have breast cancer in their life and will be uh, diagnosed with it. So it's better to catch it sooner rather than later, and that's where the treatments and the diagnostics come in. But today, we have a special guest who is a breast cancer survivor, and we're here to celebrate her and her journey through being diagnosed um, rather quickly in the midst of a move and some of the treatments, unconventional modalities she utilized, and how she's giving back to the women who are being newly diagnosed today. So she's been affected tremendously. My guest today is Karen Corbet, and she um, currently resides in Arizona. And I'm going to let you go ahead and introduce yourself, Karen. And I really want to understand how you were diagnosed, because I don't think a lot of people go and they get their mammogram and they get tested and they get their little piece of paper and it seems to look fine. And for most, it stops there until the next year when they have to go back. But for you, it was it was it didn't happen that way. And so I'd like to hear a little bit about what you thought you were getting as an extra layer of diagnostic tools, but really wasn't giving you the detection you needed based on breast density. Okay. So uh, thank you, Sherry, so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, And I'll try to keep my story brief, but meaningful. So my husband and I were in the middle of a move uh, to Arizona, and I found a lump in the shower. And uh, I am religious about all of my medical appointments. I go get a mammogram every year. I started paying the extra out-of-pocket to get the 3D mammograms every year. I thought I was good to go. And um, I have dense breasts. I know I've I've got dense breasts or had dense breasts um, and had had, you know, several procedures over the years when a cyst would flare up or something. 
just to, to go in and make sure that everything was okay. Um, so imagine my surprise when I find what turned out through all the diagnostics at the end to be a, uh, a five by seven uh, centimeter mass um, in my breast. And it went from nothing, not being visible on either the regular mammogram or the 3D mammogram to ginormous in 11 months. Um, so obviously a very uh, aggressive uh, level of cancer. Um, it was interesting because uh, my best friend and I had the same gynecologist and we had made plans to go every year and make a girl's day of it and, and go get our annual exams and go get our mammograms and then go out to lunch, have a glass of wine. Um, she knew we were in the middle of the move and she threatened to knock me out and throw me in the back of the car if I wouldn't go see my doctor. Uh, so I went to go see the doctor. He examined me and immediately sent me across the hall to um, a radiologist who spends her entire day looking at breast imaging. So they did the diagnostic ultrasound, um, which I didn't know at the time that I should have been requesting for my dense breast for all these years. Um, she did a, uh, her text did a diagnostic, but I knew it was bad when she came in herself to do the the uh, the redo of it. And she just kind of looked at me, gave me the side eye, and said, "Doesn't look good. It's got blood flow." And she showed me. So. I had the weekend to process that. Um, and then it became in my head, figuring out what type it is and how am I gonna treat it? So in three days, they did the, you know, the contrast MRI and they did a, a core biopsy and they did a core biopsy of lymph nodes that looked weird. Um, they did everything they could have possibly done uh, knowing that I had to physically be out of the house that Friday. Um, and when that oncologist uh, met with me, uh, he said, you've got uh, stage 2A breast cancer, um, invasive ductal carcinoma, uh, ERPR positive, HER2 negative, and uh, we think you'll be able to do a lumpectomy, but we advise doing chemo first to shrink it. And if you cannot find somewhere in Arizona that will start your treatment in the next four weeks, you need to rent a house here and come back and let us start treatment. Um, so needless to say, I was uh, in a panic to try to find somebody on uh, the Arizona side. Yeah. And so that's prompted a whirlwind of your life. Let me ask so we can understand. You'd been going for your mammogram mm -hmm. as requested. I love the idea of a girl's day of it. I think I'm going to have to find a buddy to do that with me. Um, been doing your mammogram. You had been paying extra out of pocket for a 3D mammogram thinking right. I'm getting the extra level of detection that is needed. For me, I'm yep. paying extra. This is a better test. It's going to die, you know, find it a little bit easier than a basic mammogram. 
So in your mind, that was, was good enough. Yeah. Yeah. In my mind, I was covered. And, I was not good at doing self-exams. Right. And so combo that with your self-exam is how it was found, not necessarily being notified of the dense breast tissue and the other diagnostic tools that are out there and available that you could seek to advocate for yourself of this is what's needed for dense breast to have the ultrasound or the MRI and whatnot so that you could get that extra layer of detection. You found it on your own and advocated for yourself to go back in, which a lot of women get busy. We put us at the bottom of the pile as you probably would have had you not had that bestie pushing you along because you were in the middle of a move. You were yep. probably like, I've got to move. I'll check it out later when I get there. It's probably nothing, just another cyst. And it was her pushing you and prompting you to really go get tested. So I've heard time and time again in these conversations that women need to stand up for themselves, be their own advocate, and press for additional testing and screening when needed. And if you hadn't done that, who knows right. when it would have been detected. Exactly. Exactly. So you moved to Arizona. Did You, you found treatment there, correct? I did. So I, uh, I went in with the uh, idea that I was going to interview the doctors and decide where I wanted to go. And I had uh, advice from a, uh, a couple where the wife 20 years ago went through breast cancer. They wanted to come out uh, to Phoenix to Cancer Treatment Centers of America, and they couldn't organize it at the time. Um, and then uh, another friend of ours had clients who recognized it. And they're now called the City of Hope, and it's hard for me to remember the name change because when I went through the treatment, it was Cancer Treatment Centers of America. I went there first. I was able to get in uh, through their medical advocacy for an appointment there first and met uh, my oncologist and the team and just completely fell in love with the place. Um, they do completely integrated care, which is amazing. And I know Dr. Brim talked about how valuable that is when you're going through something like this. Um, they have all the doctors and all of the equipment in one facility. And if you go down to, let's say you go down to have a breast MRI, in 30 minutes, they're having a conversation with you about what they found. It's just, it's just amazing. And they do offer nutritionist, naturopath, third things additional to the typical traditional, you know, Western medicine. And Dr. Bremen, my previous episode mentioned with breast cancer, women have to make so many choices and decisions mm -hmm. all of the sudden about their health, the surgeries, lumpectomy, mastectomies, rounds of chemo. You, from what I read, you had 16 cycles of chemo, a bilateral mastectomy, 28 radiation treatments, it, 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 it seems overwhelming. How important is that team when it comes to 
getting you through making those decisions and the support that you you get from them. So um, it's wonderful because they've got a behind the scenes method for you to like send emails to your doctors, um, which is fantastic. They always respond within 24 hours. Um, it is it is incredibly important to have a team that talks to each other. And um, whenever I had a big decision that I had to make, um, the, they have a, a tumor board every Thursday. And if it was a big enough deal, my doctor would take my case to the tumor board. So not only am I getting my, you know, vertical of doctors talking to each other, but they're also getting feedback from all the other uh, City of Hope locations around the country of the top minds there. So not only am I getting the, you know, platinum diamond level of care at this facility, but uh, it's not just my doctor's big brains, but it's their network. And that is extremely important when you're going through this because you don't have to worry about doctors, you know, across different practices, talking to each other and coordinating your care. These guys and women all talk together on a regular basis. Yeah. And three years ago today is when you had your port installed to start your treatments, which would be tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning. Yeah. Yeah. How serendipitous. I, that's what started your journey really Mm -hmm. is that port and your beginning of your chemo treatments. Now you, and this is what I was hoping to share with the guests, because I think it's great to look at some of the unconventional methods and modalities Mm -hmm. that are used in conjunction with the traditional medicine they're going to use to to fight the cancer in your body. So you you got chemo, right? You had the radiation, but what were some of those modalities that you use that help you through those treatments? Tell us about well, those. Yeah, I think the first thing that I did um, when I started chemo was obviously I did a lot of research. I joke that the uh, National Institute of Health website, NIH.org, became my new best friend. Um, so I, I wasn't doing, you know, crazy Facebook post ideas. I was doing things that were real legitimate medical studies. And one of the things that I latched on to very early on, in, in fact, in time for that first treatment, um, was doing a 72-hour fast. And uh, I did it my first uh, eight my first 12 weeks was, or first eight weeks was every two weeks. So I would fast 48 hours before the chemo and 24 hours after. And I'm not saying that's for everybody. Um, The reason I did it is because the first 24 hours that you don't eat, your body is consuming all the glucose in your body, and then it's gone. The next 24 hours, your healthy cells turn inward to start repair. And your cancer cells are still hungry and they keep eating. They don't have the ability to turn off anymore. And so by the time you get to the actual chemo infusion, they're starving. And they're eating, 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 eating. So you wait another 24 hours so that the cancer cells eat as much of the chemo as possible. And then you start eating again 
to turn on your healthy cells. And hopefully their turning inward protects them. Um, I can't speak to that. I had a lot of fatigue. I never threw up. Um, I uh, had a lot of gastrointestinal issues. Everybody's experience is different. But I'm thinking because I didn't eat had a lot to do with never throwing up. Um, in addition to the fact that obviously nowadays, as opposed to 20 years ago, they give you a ton of pre-meds. So they make sure that everything is exactly for your body at the weight that you weigh in that morning, and they reformulate everything. So I think that in conjunction with the fasting really helped me with my symptoms, and I hope helped with the reduction of the cancer. Um, I continued to do that throughout. And then when I switched to the last 12 weeks where I was doing a low-dose chemo, the major potential side effect for that is neuropathy. So I did what I lovingly refer to as mittens from hell. So um, it's freezy packs that come in a mitten. You slide an ice pack in the front and the back of your hand and it sandwiches your hands together to freeze your fingers and your toes, but my hands hurt so bad, I didn't pay attention to my toes. The idea is that they shrink the blood vessels so that less chemo goes in your fingertips and your toes to reduce the neuropathy. And I believe that that worked because I didn't have them for the first treatment and already had started experiencing numbness. and. When I finished, I had neuropathy, but it's gone within six months. It was gone. So I really think that that helped me um, with the neuropathy for both hands and feet. Yeah. Did was there a nutritionist and oh, a yeah. naturopath, like integrative physician on staff with that support group? Yes. So um, I can't tell you. I was taking hands full of pills a day. Um, all supplements uh, for specific reasons. So, and, and they would change based on the chemo that I was on versus doing radiation. Um, I, I uh, because my tumor was on the left side, um, when I did the radiation, I had to quote unquote, breathe my heart out of the way. And one of the things that the radiation can do is, is damage your lungs. So my naturopath increased the lysine that I was taking in order to help protect my lungs. Um, you know, when I was taking the chemo, he would balance he would balance the different supplements. And even today, I'm on a uh, pill that drives your estrogen to complete zero. And as I'm taking that, uh, it's given me osteoporosis. So now I'm on like a bazillion milligrams of calcium a day and an injectable called Perlea in order to balance that out. So listening to the naturopath is really important. And then the nutritionist, they actually put me on a vegan diet, um, which I was only able to sustain for about the first three months. Um, but the idea was to go completely anti-inflammatory onto as much of an anti-inflammatory diet as possible so that as your body tries to heal itself, you're allowing it to focus on healing the damage from 
the chemo and from the cancer, not healing damage from the bacon and the cheese and the wine. So it was a, a very strict anti-inflammatory diet. And I followed that for probably a good two years. Wow. Yeah. I think that's great info. Thank you. Um, you know, I, we hear of juicing and trying to eliminate sugar and eliminate alcohol, so no wine. Um, but we really don't think about the rest of the food we're eating, right? We think right. eat some chicken, it's healthy. We're not thinking about what's inflammatory about the dairy and the poultry and and not that we're ingesting and how it's having our body fight which way do I repair. Right. Right. Yeah, that's great info. If you could offer up some advice, one or two, three, the mittens are probably one of the musts that you would recommend. What are some of the few must-need items in your duffel bag when you would head off to your treatments? Well, my husband didn't fit in the duffel bag. Um, <laughs> but having, having you know, somebody who, who you're close with there to yeah. offer distraction is wonderful. Um, I was very fortunate. I had a lot of uh, friends and, and my uh, sister who would send um, cute memes and stuff. So I always said uh, when I was in my mittens, I would cry for the first 20 minutes because it was so cold and everybody would try to distract me. So I would tell everyone, I'm having chemo at 11 a.m. today. Please send me hot cloths. What was nice was they sent me lots of hot firefighters. So I got to scroll through my Instagram and entertain myself with hot pots, trying to warm myself up as my hands were freezing to death. Um, I made it a game. So the way I deal with stress and anxiety is typically through humor. So I made it a game and I was assisted dramatically by my sister. She would send me crazy um, leggings with crazy patterns on them. And I would be all cozy and have the crazy leggings. I would have a blanket in my bag. I'd make sure I had my tea and my water so that I stayed hydrated. Remember, I was not eating um, during those treatments. Uh, only a lot of people around me were. Um, so I had my water. I had my cinnamon tea. I had my uh, cozy blankets. I had my mittens, my freezing packs. Uh, made sure I had chargers and my laptop and my Kindle and, you know, everything I could do to just kind of distract myself. Um, and if I didn't want to do that, uh, one of the pre-meds they give you or gave me, all this is about me, not what they give everybody else, right. was Benadryl. And it would make me dizzy when they pushed it. And so I'd spend 20 minutes with my eyes shut trying to not be dizzy. And, you know, my husband and I planned our swimming pool, <laughs> designed our swimming pool. Um, so that was a great way to be distracted was uh, I, you know, doing the grocery list, creating the pickup order. So. Yeah. Distractions and focusing on the future yep. and planning something good and insightful. So. You went through your treatments. You ended mm -hmm. up with a double mastectomy. I did. I did. Um, tell us about that experience because for a lot of women, that is our womanhood and, and part of us. And so how did that affect you? 
Well, um, I was, uh, we were going into this with the idea that I was going to be able to have a lumpectomy. I had great boobs um, and was well endowed and had lots of room for them to be able to cut it out and sew it back up and you'd barely be able to tell the difference, I, I thought, in my head. Um, it turned out that uh, even after reducing the size of the mass uh, to 59% of what it was before I started, um, in the final uh, set of images that they took before the surgery, um, we discovered that there was kind of a, I called it my poodle. There was the large mass at the top and there was a tail that went behind my nipple and I had a poof of cancer at the bottom. And uh, so we knew we were not going to be able to save that breast. Uh, so the conversation with the uh, radiologist at City of Hope, he spent 45 minutes with my husband and I in his little cave in the back room looking at the images. And we're looking at, you know, they, they scan left and right breast and we're looking at it and we're seeing calcifications in the right breast. Again, remember dense breast. He didn't see anything bad at the time, um, but he saw, you know, some more crystallizations and, I, and all over the place. It was sparkling like this night sky. Um, and I said to him, I said, you know, if it was your mom or your daughter, what would you do? And he said, I'd take them both. So we took them both and it turned out it was a good choice because in the pathology coming back, they actually found lobular carcinoma in situ in the other breast. Um, and that's, you know, not going to happen to everybody, but it happened to me. And thank God, because I really wouldn't want to go through that treatment again. Yeah. Um, so we took them both. But I tell you what, it was horrible. Um, I, I mourned the loss of my breasts. And the way that they, they did the procedure with me actually helped my emotional state, my mental health, because they put something called expanders in knowing that I was going to go through reconstruction. And even though we didn't, weren't able to do nipple saving surgery, we were able to do uh, skin sparing surgery. So when I woke up, I had like cute little B cups like I had when I was 18 years old. And I'm like, wow, and they're back up where they're supposed to be. This is magic. <laughs> so that did a lot to help my uh, mental state yeah. with the loss, you know, in my head and my heart, kind of the loss of my femininity. Yeah. And they weren't able to save your nipples. So you and I were speaking previously, and I would love for you to share this story because there's so many women that don't realize that there are options out there plastic surgery-wise and through different methodologies and, like I said, unconventional ways of making you feel whole again, uh -huh. what did you what did you go do? Um, believe it or not, there is a uh, premier preeminent 3D nipple tattoo artist in the United States who's named uh, Eric uh, Catalano out of the Eternal Inc. in Hecker, Illinois. And every Wednesday, he does uh, free nipple tattoos for women who have gone through the reconstruction process. And uh, 
my husband and I were on a Route 66 motorcycle trip this year, and we managed to plan going through Hecker, Illinois as part of that trip. And so I have beautiful 3D uh, tattoos now. So now when I look in the mirror after I get out of the shower, I I look completed. I don't look like I have like Barbie boobs with no insignia or nothing on Insignia yeah. is the wrong word. But uh, you know, it, it I look like a, a woman again. Yeah. And I love uh, that analogy. I yeah, I've never I, thought about it. You're absolutely right. A Barbie doll yeah. didn't have nipples. Right. They didn't have nipples, right? So it's so real looking that when I first got them, I could look in the mirror and I touch them and my brain says they're 3D, but my finger says they're not. So there's like yeah. this discordance in my brain that, that uh, wow, they're there, but they're not there. So well, shout out to Eric. Out in the uh, middle of nowhere. Yes. Is that you could take a motorcycle ride on Route 66 and cut through to and regain get that done. Some t- get some tattoos and regain part of your femininity. I mean, that's yeah, exactly. spectacular. Yeah, yeah, it was it was awesome. And uh, now I'm actually used to seeing them in the mirror. It's been uh, almost three, almost two months. So now I'm actually used to seeing them in the mirror. It used to be a shock uh, because I went for so long without. Yeah. Um, so now it's like, wow, they're back. Every every little bit, I think, helps you mentally and emotionally mm-hmm. get through that intense period of your life, mm-hmm. so that you can heal and yeah. move on, and yeah. give back to the other women who are coming after you that are newly diagnosed. And that's right. another path you've taken. So you mm-hmm. are a coach advocate today. How does that work and how are you helping to give back to support? Well, um, I have a, a strong history of giving back through my entire corporate career and in retirement. Um, obviously, my focus got uh, distracted when I had to uh, worry about getting through this diagnosis. Um, so now one of the ways that I get back is I am a volunteer for uh, the Cancer Fighters Network through City of Hope. But you don't have to be going to City of Hope to take advantage of the network. And what happens is they have a, a team of back office people who screen through people who want to talk to somebody um, and match them with people like me who have volunteered. And typically, you're either matched by the flavor of cancer that you have or by the type of um, treatment that you're going through. So I've been uh, matched with women who are just newly diagnosed and have no idea what's going on. I've been matched with women who are uh, fighting it for the third time and are actually terminal and then looking for help in uh, managing side effects and what did I do Um, and, you know, everything in between. Um, So, you know, the, it goes from the range of, they just told me two days ago and I haven't even wrapped my head around it yet to I've already started doing my research and this is what I think. And, you know, what do you think? And sometimes it's just being a sounding board. Sometimes it's advice. Uh, every person's journey is completely different. 
Uh, and the blessing nowadays is that the doctors can customize the treatment to your particular case. Yeah, it's very personalized medicine. What yeah. are the top two or three words of advice you would give a woman who's been newly diagnosed or seeking support for how to handle? Um, so you have to advocate for yourself. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, and, you know, my biggest piece of advice kind of in life is you don't get what you don't ask for, um, whether that's business or personal. And it certainly is what you need in your health care, right? So like me, uh, you know, had I known, I would have, you know, asked, you know, I've got dense breasts. Why am I not getting the ultrasound, right? And so having them ask the questions about all of their fears, all of their uh, options. So there are so many options uh, nowadays. And, you know, they, they kind of type your tumor so they can customize your treatment. So what are the different options? You know, what are the, and what are the pros and cons of each of those options? Yeah. And make besties with NIH.org for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I do, I do a lot of research um, on my own. The fasting, I told them, I told them I was going to do that. Uh, I discussed it with them, um, but it wasn't a question. It was, I, I am going to do this and we're going to see what happens. And uh, nobody else in that practice was doing it. And every time I'd come in, the nurses, are you still fasting? Oh, my God, how do you do that? I couldn't fast if I had to. And I'm like, you can fast if your life depends on it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's an amazing, you can be vegan for a few months if your life depends on it. Um, you know, it's amazing the things that you can, can do that you don't think you can do um, when your life depends on it. Yeah, it's that internal strength that comes out. And the will and the fight that that yeah. comes out in a woman when yep. when it's time, absolutely. Yep. Few questions before we wrap up that I ask all of my guests. What are you most proud of? Um, I'm very proud that uh, I got through this relatively unscathed, and that um, I'm kind of back to living my normal life. We're traveling like crazy. The reason I retired early was so that we could travel the world. Um, we just got back from Malaysia and Thailand and Bali. Um, and we're going to Antarctica in December. So, I, you know, I plan uh, for the future. And, you know, I, I just, I'm glad that, and, and very grateful that I had the amount of support around me that I had between my husband, my family, my friends um, to get me through it, to be able to be back to doing what I wanted to do in retirement. Yeah, that's awesome. What would you tell your 20-year-old self? Uh, besides you don't get what you don't ask for, <laughs> um, you know, continue to be open to the possibilities. Um, I, I think that there are a lot of opportunities that you can take advantage of 
if you just see them and grab onto them. And it needs to be, you know, something that's close to your heart. Um, you know, one of the things I did with my husband over the pandemic was we fostered five dogs and got them adopted. And so now that I'm back to being healthy, I want to get back to being able to do that as part of my giving back. And so finding something you're passionate about that you can really throw yourself into. Um, I wish I had done that when I was 20 uh, and been more focused about it. Yeah, good advice. What brings Karen joy? Mm, besides wine, bacon, and cheese. Um, <laughs> you have no idea I had a countdown so that I could have wine, bacon, and cheese in the same meal. Um, uh, it's going to sound silly. Uh, I love it. I love to hear my husband laugh. His, his uh, pure laugh is just delightful. Um, but in addition to that, you know, being able to spend time with my my family and my friends just gives me so much joy. And even more so now when, you know, I guess technically it could have turned out different. My my brain never said that. My brain, when I found out was I was angry. I needed to use that anger to work on a solution. And, um, I, you know, I, I was very, very blessed and I'm very, very grateful that I had such a great support network. That's awesome. So how can our listeners learn more about City of Hope, connect with you, uh, just get some insights on different modalities for what they're getting ready to come up against if diagnosed? Well, if they, if they want to investigate City of Hope, uh, I think it's coh.org um, that can go online. Uh, if they want to get a hold of me, um, they can go on to LinkedIn and get a hold of me there. Uh, and, you know, I'm happy to share. I, I want to put the caveat out there that I don't coach more than three people at a time um, because I want to be sure that I don't confuse people um, and that I give everybody the attention they deserve. Um, but you're welcome to reach out to me through LinkedIn. Great. Thanks so much. I'll make sure your details are in the episode show notes. I think it just goes to say that early detection is key. And to advocate for yourself because you are always going to be your best advocate, especially in times when you really think you need additional testing and screening. So that's it for today. Thank you for being a guest. And I'll see you guys next time on the next episode of Wisdom of Women. Thank you so much for tuning in to Wisdom of Women. I hope you enjoyed our conversation and gained some valuable insights and inspiration. How to connect with me and our guest today, as well as any links can be found in the show notes. Please share this episode with your friends. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review as it helps us reach more women like you who are seeking to learn from successful women leaders. Stay curious, stay hungry, and always push forward. We'll be back next week with another amazing guest. Until then, keep chasing your dreams, and we'll see you next time on Wisdom of Women.